United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Cult of Corporation, a spinoff from Andrew and Paul of the United States of Lead, where we dive into the cult-like mentality of corporate America. This week, heads up, you might hear some background ambient music because my daughter is home during recording for this one. We also have a little bit of a change, and Paul is going to be diving into a topic this week, which I'm very excited for. Well, I'm really grateful for the ambient music because it'll cover up <laughs> the occasional running water and the general sounds of the basement that I find myself in. Moving uh, offices, so... We're fine. We're, okay, well, We're all good. fine. Everything's fine. Everything's, Everything's great. <laughs> it's the dog in the cafe with the fire. Right, it's, right, it's right. It's fine. Right. It's fine. Anyway, so what are we talking about? This week, I thought we would look at the insane week that cryptocurrency has had. Uh, it's all around someone named Sam Bakeman Freed. Is this the 28-year-old? So this is that guy, that young guy, richest person in crypto. Oh. Um, but before we jump into him, this has just been a crazy year for that industry, which... Uh, and if listeners don't know, you follow this closely and you know a lot about it where, I mean... I've invested $50 and I just looked and it's now at $17. I'm sure it's just going to keep going down, but you actually know. What did you, what did you invest in? I did it through Venmo, just Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Okay. BTC. Because it was the only one that I knew the name of. And it should be safe. It's just the wild west. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So since we may not know a lot about crypto, not a lot of people are into it compared to other investments. I just want to tell you a quick story. And this story is about a guy from South Korea and he's super smart and he's uh, Stanford educated and worked for Apple. He worked for Microsoft. And he came up with this really cool idea, this really exciting idea. There's a thread throughout all through the entire cryptocurrency industry of self-governance that you should own, you should actually own your money. You should be able to make a payment or transfer your money without a third party. You don't need to have these okay. banks yeah. that are like holding your cash. And then really, of course, banks have what's known as fractional reserve lending. You can deposit $100 to a bank. So I deposit $100 to a bank mm-hmm. and a bank can lend out $90 of my $100. Yeah. 
And when there's a run on that bank, when everyone wants their $100 back, suddenly they don't have that. And, mm -hmm. and that's not news. That's not illegal. In fact, it's incredibly legal. And it's the basis of our economy. Yeah. So getting away from all that, getting away from all of this third party regulation and really being free with your personal resources. Another thing you would own is your own data. No one would be tracking your digital movements. You've got some money in Bitcoin, which is this investment that can expand and you want it to expand. It will expand. Of course, it will con contract. But Bitcoin, I can say, though, it's never gone above the 50. I've never made more than right. what I put in. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Because um, <laughs> I've been keeping track to take it out. I'm like, I can't take it out until it's back to what I put in. And it never has been. A lot of people found themselves in that position where they're, they're definitely why I only underwater. Did 50. <laughs> <laughs> so not a lot of people are in this industry yet. Like, how do you even buy a Bitcoin when you're not on these exchanges? And I would have bought Bitcoin in 09 had I known how to do that. I just didn't know how to set it up on a computer and have a computer yeah. running. And I mean, I would have bought it in 09, but the reality is I would have sold it in like 15 when it was like $12. When it was the hot, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I bought it for 30 cents and now it's $12. Like, yeah. yeah. Bitcoin is this thing, It's they talk about it being a store of value, mm -hmm. but there is a kind of holy grail in cryptocurrency called a stable coin, which is a crypto that's pegged. So there's what, some token that's pegged, that's connected to some external value. So really like if there's a stable dollar, be like, okay, we're going to take this token and we're just going to peg it to the dollar. So this token will always be worth $1. And this guy from Stanford says, he's like, hey, I came up with this idea. It's we're going to use an algorithm. So when the amount of people buying dollars exceeds the dollar, this is super high level overview. When the amount of people buying that dollar goes up, we're going to basically take that money and then use that when it starts going down. And he had a novel way of doing this. And he made a thing called TerraCoin. It was connected to something called Luna. Okay. So really quickly, like Terra was the thing that was always going to be a dollar. And then if when it went up, it was connected to another coin called Luna. They would either burn or print Luna to balance out the value of this one dollar. So then you could use Terra as a dollar. You could buy it and you could make transactions with it without a bank. To do this, that Luna coin, it would expand in value. So Luna went up to, I think, $120 uh, token. Wow. And the idea was it would keep increasing in value. So it's like the Earth and the, and the Moon. There's this like mm -hmm. gravitational relationship. It would keep increasing in value the more people used the stable coin. Yeah. There's some other things involved with returns was connected to another protocol and you would get 20% return on anything you basically like saved. You could stake your coins and you would get these huge returns. This guy, really smart, making this thing that lets us save the world. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> everyone seemed to just love this guy. He was just brilliant and uh, they, everyone wanted to follow him. And truth be told, I actually ended up following him. I think I've been a pretty critical investor and I've yeah. only invested in projects that I understand that I could tell you about. Yeah. I think of it as like investing in gas stations at the turn of the century. Like I'm not investing in necessarily like a car, but I can see that a car will need gas stations. So 
Got there it, are yeah. not a lot of gas stations in like 1905, but it's like, okay, if mm -hmm. I start investing in gas stations now, mm -hmm. I can see a bank will need this kind of thing. I can see that infrastructures will need this kind of reporting, something like that. In all honesty, I could not have told you this much about Terra when oh, I, okay. and, and Luna when I invested in it. But I okay. saw the hype. Yeah. I saw how much it was absolutely exploding. And I'm just going to share my screen. Yeah, please. So I get updates. I watch uh, things on YouTube that are like uh, market updates or whatever, or market news on crypto. And during this time, everyone was talking about all these investors who are just dumping cash into the Terra ecosystem. This is the one that really got me. Let's see if I can... Look how nice this looks. Oh, man. Oh, this looks like there's so many things going on with how could this fail? Yeah. And I did not really know, I, but I broke my rule and I broke my rule of can I explain how this works and can I explain oh, why it yeah, has yeah. value? Mm -hmm. But I just didn't want to miss out on the money train. So I took some returns from another investment and put about a thousand bucks into Terra. And then it just completely collapsed. It collapsed by $45 billion in a few days just evaporated that luna coin that was at one point i think 120 bucks yeah it went from 80 dollars to effectively zero in a day which is that 45 billion dollar loss is this more than one type of cryptocurrency then that this affected oh that's a really great question so this coin like i'm going to point at this yeah like this entity would have had some connection to a lot of other coins so it was only one group of coins these coins all affected each other it was terra luna and then something called anchor protocol but that loss ends up affecting the entire market and how this worked was it's not, uh, can you see her she looks like john cusack when he holds the which holds Boomba. <laughs> she she just wants us to see it it's peter gabriel playing in your eyes she's just back there yes we see it okay sorry this really smart guy set up all of this stuff and this is the guy from South Korea, right? Yes. Let's meet him. And that's Let's... not the same person that is in the headlines right now, right? No. So this was in okay. the summer. And let's just, let's meet. Oh, let's... okay. Anonymous versus Bill Kwan. That's interesting. Are Anonymous against crypto? They're against people stealing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we hear the story about this amazing guy who is trying to do all these amazing things. These companies you think are entering the space just because it's hot and there's a lot of funding versus the ones that will still be here, you know, like two to five years later. 95% oh, are going to die. Yeah. 95% are going to die. Uh, but uh, yeah. there's also entertainment to watch a company start too. There's entertainment. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's so evil. <laughs> yeah. I think so, evil was a very... What the interviewer was saying is like, what do you think of these people, these companies that are entering the space? Joe Kwan is and Luna are experiencing incredible success. He's so arrogant and he's saying 95% of these companies are going to die. Oh. Instead of just giving this observation, he then says, but you know what? There's some entertainment in watching these companies crash, watching these, these companies burn, which of course is the livelihood of the employees. Every company like this has literally millions of dollars invested and they're just being evaporated. And that's really what happens is if we use that example of uh, the uh, gas stations, some people will make one or two gas stations thinking that's really going to take off and then it completely collapses. What I find interesting is how we can see this, what he said, mm -hmm. 
and just drop him into any one of these big 1% corporations. This is literally what they're doing. It is entertainment to them. Some people just want to watch things burn. Yeah. They just want to watch things burn. You know, $45 billion went up. And what do you do when you have, have all the money? This the summer, in the, you said, right? This was just this summer. Okay, Additionally, wow. in this summer, there were a number of exchanges. So this is where you buy and sell your crypto. Even though the goal, the dream of crypto was I could just send you this money directly. Yeah. Uh, there, are still ex- there are these exchanges where it facilitates that. But these exchanges have just collapsed, running towards the end of the year. Uh-huh. And... So did he lose a bunch of money from saying that? He didn't lose a bunch of money from saying that. People liked him. People oh, thought okay. he was like because they uh, wanted to be him. They want to be him. They want. <laughs> Which fuck that's you. not how MLMs work. You can't. can't they want all fuck be you him. money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They want to be. So he didn't lose any money from that. He actually gained popularity from that. And like I said, I feel like there's real strong Billy Bush vibes with the interviewer who is like, "Yeah, uh, I got to laugh at this. Wait, hold yeah. on. That was not appropriate. Oh, wait. Um, okay, we're cool, right? And then yeah. tough position for them to be in. Yeah, and like laughter is something you do when you're uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. Well, also, just what you were saying is connecting this to how this is also how they get those people to vote for them because they want to be them. They want to be in that position of power. Yeah. Like you said, they want to be the ones doing that, but guess what? You're never going to be in that position. Cause that's not how this works. Yeah. In this scenario, y'all can't be at the top. <laughs> it's the same dynamic as corporate manipulation with certain sector of society. So you would think that we went through this insane summer. Yeah. Retirements are gone. Ugh. Uh, I'm sure marriages were wrecked oh. and i know i know people lost their lives I, people oh took my their own God. lives. i cannot stress the hype enough of how powerful this narrative was in the crypto space and like i said i think i'm pretty critical investor but i could not fight the allure of this and i was like nope yeah. i'm selling some of this stuff i'm moving it over here and that's a lot of money to me. But, um, you know, I feel like I really learned my lesson on that burn. And I think that a lot of other people there were, oh, how could we not see this coming? How could, uh, you know, the few people that were able to identify it became very, very famous. And I feel like there was a just a notion that this would never, ever happen. Like, how could this ever happen again? How could we be duped again? During all of this, this guy, Sam Bakeman Freed, like we, we're, right, right, so right now, we're a, this will never, ever happen again. Not in our lifetimes, right? It was just too large. And everyone was so worried that, oh, geez, they're going to come on with regulation. And this guy, youngest guy in crypto, brilliant, uh, the, the wunderkind, the 30-year-old, he took about, I think the legend says $3,000. And how he made his money was he found that Bitcoin was trading at one price in America, and then it was trading at an even higher price in Japan. So he was able to buy Bitcoin, sell it in America for dollars, sell it in Japan for yen, and then transfer the yen back to dollars. So if Bitcoin was selling for like 10 grand in America and 15 grand in Japan, that's what he did. You don't have to be a citizen of wherever you're... Okay. No, and I principally trade on two exchanges that are like in Hong Kong and the Chilis Islands. 
But he had to set that up. That was not easy for him to set up. And he ended okay. up making about $20 million a day by just buying as much Bitcoin as he could, bringing it over. And then as soon as that was exposed and people caught on to that, larger players came in and you know he lost his uh, his leverage in that. But he went from like $3,000 to billions of dollars in that short period So he period wasn't like, let me show you how to do this type of person. People he just found a little glitch. to find out. Which is the same thing that Ponzi did. Like, this is actually what a Ponzi, like Ponzi found, I think it had to do with stamps. Stamps, it was stamps, yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing as Ponzi. Like, I'm just going to sell them over here and then bring it back over here. So he needed to find another way to make some money. And he established a company called Alameda Research. And he made his own exchange called FTX. Okay. And that's what I've heard. (laughs) the only thing i've heard yeah he went from three thousand about three thousand dollars to twenty billion dollars in about three years and during this time he became known as like this the most generous person in business and the richest man in crypto he created something called effective altruism which is what he said was i'm just going to make a ton of money and then i'm going to give it away i want to give away like 50 percent of every single dollar that i make everyone's like oh he gave away a lot of money, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Okay, okay. <laughs> so here's how he did this, uh, and people called it dark magic. What he was doing was just dark magic. It's not illegal theft. He makes FTX, and he makes another separate entity called Alameda Research. Okay. FTX ends up loaning Alameda Research a ton of cash, right? Okay. So this is real money going to Alameda Research. That this he feels started. like the Koch brothers starting Americans for Prosperity. I take that back. This sounds like Ron Johnson's dad yes. starting that business for his son and then them being the only business that that business has. I wanted to make a uh, a visual for this. So I'm going to try to, <laughs> I really want everyone to, to kind of get this. So hey, if you F- draw it out and take a picture of it, we can uh, put our, it on. I, you know I what did I mean? draw it. I did draw. Okay. Oh, cool. So okay. FTX loans Alameda Research, both kind of run but separate entities yeah. it's supposed to be completely separate mm-hmm. loans them a bunch of money so someone has a bunch of money yeah alameda research becomes in debt to ftx because yeah. of this another way that sam bankman fried is making a bunch of money is this ftx yes. creates its own token called its own cryptocurrency that yeah. you can use on the exchange called ftt Okay. Like I said, FTX, the exchange, loans this separate ind- research company a bunch <laughs> of money. There's air quotes there in case, so people know. <laughs> uh, Alameda Research becomes in debt to an outstanding debt to FTX. So in, or- so in order to pay that back, it pays them in FTT tokens. It'd be like a bank loaning itself yeah. its own debt or its own investments. Like it's... Yeah. So they pay that comp- the company back, and then that company ends up losing because they're paying them back. FTX extends a line of credit to Alameda Research. So Alameda Research can draw from its own repayment of this debt, and that line of credit, that's what was backed by the FTT tokens. So where does that money go? Okay, so Alameda Research is... It's a big circle, really. It's a big circle of debt and repayment using tokens that are made up. Yeah. So with the money that they were circling, they did a 
ton of advertising. They did. Oh. Larry David did a really oh. expensive commercial oh, for them. For the Super Bowl. For the Super Bowl. That's the crypto that he did for the Super yeah. Bowl? Oh, I didn't know that. They put a bunch of money into the FTT token. Another thing they did was bail out a bunch of other exchanges. So they either outright bought some failing exchanges. Okay. Or they bought controlling interests in a bunch of other exchanges. Okay. So everyone is like, wow, this this Sam Bakeman Freed or SBF, he's such an altruistic person. And then the other big thing he did was he donated. But he's about, really trying to have a monopoly. He is trying to have a monopoly. <laughs> And the other thing he, he learned did with from this, corporations how to what's missing from this then? If he's buying all the competition, what else does he need to really get a monopoly? Well, I mean, he needs other people investing into him. It can't just be this circle of his stuff, right? The investment that he really wanted was political backing. Ah. And I want to give you the right number, but I want to say it was $40 million to the Biden campaign. 40 million cryptocurrency or actual dollars? Yeah, so it's actual dollars. So remember, there really are dollars here in Alameda Research paying that loan back, the, ori the original payment for the debt. Okay. So that was actual cash. And then okay. the other thing he did was he started spending the money that people were depositing into the exchange. So there were people investing into his exchange. Real people you, with real money. I wouldn't money. use the word investing as much as, like, you, do you invest in a bank when you deposit your money? I guess so, in a certain way. Is that what you mean? Oh, is that what you, okay, so there, it's like their bank. Yeah, people are putting money on their exchange. You know, I'm putting $1,000 onto the exchange to buy and sell, and then I just hold it on the exchange before I withdraw it. It's okay. just sitting there. So it's sitting there, and he's using it. Got Even it. though he said he'd not, he would never, ever use it. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So he's spending that money. Uh, yeah. He's spending other people's money on the ex on the exchange, as well as, and he's doing it to buy advertising. Quick question. Go so for, it. for that Super Bowl ad. Yes. Were people aware that they were using, that he was using their money for that? Oh, absolutely okay. not. Okay. Absolutely I saw, not. Okay. No, and narcissistically, this week, I mean, it's supposed to be a whole show on just his tweets. As all of this is unraveling, oh, he's tweeting while this is happening. Oh, all, as all of this is unraveling, he's like, "We've never spent a dollar of anyone's money. Everyone's FTX tokens are backed one to one. We still have all." Of, he's he's saying everything's fine. Everything's fine. We need to file for bankruptcy. Who can I'm, do that? Well, these people can. Yeah, <laughs> that's so frustrating. He's just gonna be able to, because it's his business. It's not him. He's gonna walk clean from it because it's his business. Yeah. So like that's me... something I eventually want to get into is bankruptcy, like personal bankruptcy versus business bankruptcy and the absurdity of individuals getting like we kind of talked about it when we talk about corporations and like people, mm -hmm. corporations being people, but other people actually have to face consequences, but businesses don't. I'm tired of that. So he's tweeting all this stuff. He's got the social capital because everyone's saying he's this unbelievably generous billionaire. He's buying up all of these failing he's organizations. Elon of, he's of so Bitcoin. Elon Musk. Oh, he's trying to save the industry. In addition to all of that, he's also garnering political capital. In addition to the social capital. The Washington Post writes, 
he was using his newfound political clout to sell Washington on a regulatory regime that promised to work to his advantage. Sam Bigman Fried says, outside of us, there weren't really many people engaging in political policy. I think that means we have to do a better job as an industry more general and more generally engage. So he's saying like, there's not enough people engaging. We really need to do more of that. And I feel like that's something a narcissist would say where it's like, clearly I'm engaging. Yeah, I'm not the problem. You all are the problem. So this is a really great strategy here. This is also from the Washington Post, the same article. In March, he appeared at the House Democratic Retreat in Philadelphia with his arm around House Finance Service Committee Chair Maxine Waters. In April, he turned up at the office of Caroline Pham, a Republican member of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, less than a week after she assumed the post. So he donated $40 million. He was going to donate $40 million to the upcoming political cycle, the 2024. Okay. But he was one of Biden's largest donors in the last he was uh, the Koch brothers of the Biden He um, paid for funding. like last minute ads in a lot of swing states. Interesting. So what I'm reading from this is he's paying these Democrats what? and yes. he's actually giving cash to these Democrats, but then like cozying up to Republicans. Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, I mean, you don't need to pay both sides because you can always take that money away as a way of leveraging for the Republicans. Yeah. But he was setting himself up to be Amazon of crypto. Yeah. Because you don't actually need to beat everybody with a good product. You just need to regulate them out of existence. And then if you're breaking the law, you just pay a little fine. Yeah. That's fine. You're You're the only one who's really making any money. Yeah. Let's look at why are people buying into this? Yeah. How much did he lose in a single day? It was like 28 billion. 28 billion. Yeah. 28 billion. He went from a billionaire of like 28 billion to 900 million okay still like a lot of money <laughs> it's just so insane about it it's like okay but like still a millionaire somehow yeah i just love his hair like so people have been posting this to like new york times and washington post yeah because not only him but elon musk and people are saying we got to get rid of this illusion that being ultra rich means that you are this ultra genius yeah like that there's like that this notion that these people accumulated their wealth by being the top of the top intelligence a bunch of money does not equate to being super smart so here's tony blair bill clinton and then sam bakeman freed on a stage and look how he's dressed yes i love it those shoes that's like middle-aged man running his errands (laughs) oh yeah i mean but everyone said like, oh, he's so relatable. And he yeah, has, yeah, yeah. he's so relatable. And then there was this big thing about how he drives a Toyota Corolla. They're calling him the Warren Buffett of crypto. He's just so brilliant and he's so humble and he gives all his money Who's away. Who's they though? Oh. Like what, do you know what I mean? Like where are these things coming from? I don't know, the blogosphere? I mean, there's- How do we know that he's not like paying people to see? <laughs> you know what I mean? He was on Meet the Press and they were saying this. He was in front of Congress. Congress asked him to come and yeah. talk about. But did you just say how he gave 40 million to. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what that, that's the point. 
Exactly. So everyone's saying, let's watch this one first. Yes, everyone's please. saying, like, how could we? When was this? Never... When was this? Yeah. Earlier this year. Okay. Doquan and Terra collapses. The Celsius collapse. There was a BlockFi collapse. There's been all of these horrible seismic shifts in crypto. We must learn, have learned our lesson by now. There's no way we're not going to see another collapse coming. It's impossible. Let's meet the CEO of Alameda Research. Absolutely could pull it off without my math degree. <laughs> use very little math. Um, use a lot of like uh, elementary school math. Being comfortable with risk is very important. Um, <laughs> we tend not to have things like stop losses. I think those aren't necessarily a great risk management tool. I'm trying to think of a good example of a trade where I've lost a ton of money. Um, well, I don't know. I probably don't want to go into specifics too much yeah, with that. Oh my god. The curb music. I miss that with when Trump first got into office and everybody like Chris Christie and like all these people behind him like they'd always cut to the curb music. yeah okay i'm sorry who was she that was caroline ellison she okay. is the she what she is maybe uh probably on the run right now uh the ceo of alameda research so that's that other organization that... oh so his see in my head i'm just picturing him but of course there has to be somebody else in front of it if it's like a separate entity okay so the ceo of this organization saying we don't really use math you know in this financial institution we don't really use math it's mostly like you know onesies twosies oh, and then we also don't use things like stop losses which for anyone who doesn't know like that yeah, is I don't. when you say i own this asset and i'm going at and it's worth ten dollars i don't want to hold on to this if it falls 20 percent so you put a stop loss at eight dollars. It's like okay. I can't afford to lose that much. Yeah. I would rather just sell it at this, even if it bounces back or whatever. I'm gonna mm -hmm. it can't drop that low. And she's saying, Well, stop losses aren't really a good risk management tool. It's that is a risk That's like literally the definition of a it's not really a risk management tool. Oh my god. She's probably right. Like they don't lose a lot of money in trades because they're not trading they're just taking cash that people are depositing with them oh yeah 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 this just came out yesterday right now no one knows where sam bankman fried is um, oh i heard he's in the bahamas so he was in nassau his private jet flew to argentina okay so there's been a bunch of stuff on twitter following that jet there are photos they're like Bigfoot like photos of Sam Bankman Freed and Caroline are Are uh, they together? So they were dating. They had dated in the past. Okay. This is the tin foil, but it's all this is coming out. Two things. Yeah. One is they were a couple and Sam Bankman Freed, even though he's like so humble and never spends any of his money, actually had homes littered throughout the world. But most of the people in both of these companies were actually living together. There are about 10 people that were living together. So is and it cold? There seems to be some like sexual relationships that were, were going on. You know, where they're like, 
oh, he's so humble. He doesn't really want anything. It was like, no, that is what he wants. That's what he's paying for. He stole billions of dollars from people so that he could be the cool guy. He stole billions of dollars from people so that he could buy up these companies and everyone would say he's so smart. Buy up these uh, these failing businesses and wow, say he's saving an industry. Wow, where have I heard this about before? Where has somebody's ego been hurt and they make these rash decisions with billions of dollars? And people were following this guy. People were like, this guy can do no wrong. He's so smart. I'm just going to invest in this because he's yeah. so smart. And there was no way we're not going to see another Doquan. There's no possible way. Yeah. And then the other crazy thing that happened Four. is FTX, Five. the exchange, was uh -huh. hacked on Friday. So there are still money in the exchange, even though it's about to go under. There's still cash in like it. Like Twitter? Yes, like Twitter. They're still They're crashing at the same time. I mean, they time. own they own computers, right? Like they own yeah. more money than they have, but they own things. It was hacked, and someone took I think like sixty million dollars. I'm making this number up, but it was millions of dollars. It was him. They can't prove that it was him. Oh my lord! There seems to have been a back door to the company, the company's like servers, and that he had access to that no one else knew about. He's the Kaiser Soze. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Next time we see him, he's going to have a completely like shaved head and like dressing in a suit with fancy shoes on his yacht. Right. And mimosas with his girl. I'm really disgusted by anyone who says anything about the way she looks. Like everyone is someone else's 10. Everyone, yeah. it's like, oh, why would you do all this for like her? That's yeah. impossible. Like, no, no, that's What's her not name? how that works. Caroline Ellison. Okay, so she's only 28. Yes, and he's 30. Okay. I mean, at least it's not like she's like 19 and he's like 45. So that's. Oh, cool. yeah, that's always how it is, isn't it? That's usually how it is. Uh, and they're also recommending that everyone, because it was hacked, she everyone, looks so much younger. She than just 28. looks super young. Yeah. She reminds me of. You know the girl where the mom made her pretend to be dying and they like got all that money everybody thought she was 12 but she was actually like 25. no oh my I gosh mean, well, there's a documentary on on hbo you'll have to watch it she's just giving me that vibe what's really interesting yeah. because she says that she doesn't use math or that they don't use math mm -hmm. from 2011 she won a math prize she studied math in school but you don't need to use math when you're just pulling cash out of someone else's account. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is circling the internet right now. It's okay. from Argentina. I... Are people claiming that's them? People are claiming to, to have seen them here and there. And yeah. I, wait, uh, can you go back to like, she, he tries to hold her hand and she does this. Do you notice that? I see. See? Holding hands. Watch. Yep. She took it off and does that with her hair. I don't think she's into him. She's going to be the Kaiser Soze, and he's the pawn. Mark my words, crypto world. So I just want to share one more thing about Sam Bankman fried and that yes, is please. this. Where is he from? Do you know? I do know. Where he grew up? Yeah, I'm just going to look He's an up. American. Okay, so he graduated from MIT. I'm just going to go to his dad. His dad is Joseph Bankman, who is an American lawyer. <laughs> Shocked. Went to Yale. Just like Clarence. Interesting. So he graduated from Stanford too. That's weird. So he's a clinical psychologist and a lawyer. The dad? Yes. 
He developed a course on anxiety psychoeducation and has written insights from social psychology that might be used in an effort to reduce tax evasion. That's his dad. He was born in 1992 on the campus of Stanford University. So he comes from a family of academics, born and raised in upper middle class family in California. What were you saying? So here's Sam Bankman Fried talking to Congress and okay. why Sam Bankman Fried and crypto is uh, so safe. And see if there's any similarities to the way anyone else describes like horrible things. Oh, God. In the 2008 financial crisis, you saw a number of bilateral bespoke non-reported uh, transactions happening between financial counterparties, which then got repackaged and re-leveraged again and again and again, such that no one knew how much risk was in that system until it all fell apart. If you compare that to what happens on FTX or other major cryptocurrency venues today, there's complete transparency about the full open interest. There's complete transparency about the positions that are held. So he was stealing money at this point. He was taking money from So investors. he's literally saying, I'm actually doing this right now, but I'm telling you that it's not happening. He's repackaging debt. He's describing the 2008 financial crisis yeah, and basically do, doing as a, it. And he's, that's his playbook. That takes some B-A-L-L-S. I'm just spelling it because she's here. To sit there and be doing it. While you're explaining how bad it is. Wow. So he's the expert on this and he alone can save the oh industry. Oh Lord. So I can't stress this enough. The financial and political machines were looking to this guy. Yeah. It's like, how can we appropriately regulate this mm -hmm. industry? How can we, what organizations do we need to support? What organizations do we need to let die? Are there organizations that we need to actually rail against? And they did this and there's a notion of like centralization and DeFi or DeFi is when there are no leaders. There's no one really in charge of an exchange or something that every actor participates in equally. He was trying to really destroy this idea of like decentralized finance. I mean, maybe he could have gotten away with it if it wasn't for a few things that went wrong. I just got to go back quick to him talking with like these Republican people. Mm hmm. And what I was saying about Elon. Yes. I'm taking thing. away taking away the credibility. Elon taking away the credibility of Twitter, the social network Twitter, and this guy taking away the credibility of crypto. Okay, I'd like to know how is this working against? So it's working against corporate America's structure, like it, with banks and who, where do like where does bank money go? And you know, how, like if this is going to take away the power of the banks, that takes away the power of certain institutions. Yeah. The theory, the tinfoil hat theory, which we were going into some pretty good stuff earlier, and I was worried that if we got on this track, it would sound just totally out there. Yeah. But the blockchain technology and blockchain-like technology is pretty impressive, and it will help companies make more money. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, they need to open up opportunities for a lot of other actors. In order for this to work, they got to widen the door. So what a lot of people are saying, and I don't think this is too far-fetched, is the SEC and the powers that be are slow walking this big lawsuit right now with a uh, pretty powerful, pretty established cryptocurrency that could revolutionize how banks transfer money. So if I just want to send you $10, it's going to cost me, you know, like $12. And then 
it's also going to take about three days for me to send that to you through the SWIFT system, through the banking system, from my bank to send it to your bank. But there are cryptocurrencies that can do that within three seconds. Yeah. And meet all of the regulations. You know, in order to do that, you have to say like, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened. It can do all of that within its system functionally instantaneously. So how do banks make money off that? How do banks make yeah, money exactly. off all yeah. of the money that they're transferring and holding and all the fees? Those would all disappear. Mm -hmm. So companies would benefit, individuals would benefit by not having to pay all these fees and having this boost of liquidity. But banks are holding on to that. That's three days that there's $10 times however many billions that's in limbo. Mm -hmm. What are they doing with that? They get to hold it. They get access to it. Mm -hmm. That would go away. So who's stalling on this? And why isn't this being readily adopted? It's because... They're trying to figure out how they can keep that door closed as much as possible. Yeah. If you weren't weary before, you definitely would be now if it's this easy to say you're going to do something but not actually do it. But that again, that's what corporations have been doing this whole time. Yeah. So yeah, you can focus on this guy because of the amount of money it is, but it's like... Look at how many people are, you know, getting poisoned and dying and nobody's batting an eye because of the things that corporations do because there's no regulations to prevent them from doing so. Um, right. So if it's illegal to do this DeFi thing, like so if they make it illegal or functionally impossible to do this peer to peer, person to person trading, they don't allow that. And they can do that. They're trying to do that right now by saying that. If you trade personally, then you become a broker and you have to pay taxes on each one of those trades and yeah. you have to not just pay taxes, but you would also have to register each one of those trades. So that means that like if I were to buy a Snickers with Bitcoin, I would be a broker and I'd have to register that and know the information of who I'm sending it to and record that they would have to do the same and then I'd be fined if I didn't. So then who can actually do that? only huge corporations who are talking to other huge corporations. Yeah. Ugh. But, you know, and, and just bringing this back to the cult of corporation, this is someone who's clearly has narcissistic tendencies, someone who is willing to step on the necks of people that trust him. He's made this group of people of followers that will believe what he's saying and apparently do what he needs done. He can lie to people up until the point where he just needs to dip away. And... Well, going back to quick too, what we said about as far as who's susceptible to a cult, when we, mm -hmm. I think it was our first episode, anyone is susceptible to a cult. So think about the people that he garners, in, him and her, because they do not look the part of an Elon Musk or a corporate, you know, suit and tie. And oh my God, he's just like me. So there's no way he would do this to me. If ever there was a year, if ever there was a time where we had been educated about what a scam looks like, it was 2022. We know what a rug pull looks like. We know what a bad actor looks like. These are and the we, prime times where they come out too because it's we're most susceptible to fall for it because of fear mm -hmm. and desperation. That's how they always get pulled in, fear and desperation. So this is retail investors. These are people working at 7-Eleven who want to make it big. Yeah. But these are also politicians. It's everybody. Everyone is susceptible. He doesn't to look like so yeah, he, he can pull him in on all sides because he's not he doesn't look the part. He graduated from MIT, you know, and it's yeah, he's he's yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. And her too. 
somebody you know who who looks like that you know she can't and, scam me yeah well i think that is all the time we have for this week's episode but i hope that you know if we do have an update on this obviously there will be eventually updates on this and i'm sure it's going to be an onion where there's things that are coming out i do want to look at you know their history that's very interesting about his dad the fact that his dad is not only a lawyer but a psychologist or psychiatrist Either way, in the in the field of psychology and specifically with tax evasion. Right. There's a little sauce with everything happening with this kid. But yeah, tune in next week. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.